0: Okay, so yesterday, we went through the way that Hashem relates to the klipa. Klipa means the shell, and tzitracha. We didn't really talk about why it's called klipa, but does anyone know why it's called klipa? I spoke about why it's called tzitracha. What? Nothing to do with the word klip. One is with the kuf, one is with the cuff. In fact, if you pronounce Hebrew the way it's pronounced in biblical times, or by um, a certain, uh, I think Yemenites. They don't even sound similar. One is a k, one is a k. so it would be more. A k. A yeah, like a like a hard Q sound. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, that's why in Israel all the signs are translated. With all the kufs are translated as Qs. Notice that. What? I've seen that. I only yeah. that. yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. well, do you know why the sitrach is also called Klipeh, shell? Yeah, citra. We, we explain why it's called citra for the other side, because it's not the side of holiness, right? Mm-hmm. Explain like what that means. But we didn't talk about why it's called klipa. Is it a shell of it's a shell over holiness. It's a shell over holiness, right? And the emphasis of a shell is that a shell blocks what's inside. Okay. So the truth is that, and as we'll see shortly, is that godliness permeates everything. But. As we spoke about yesterday, in order for godliness to bring about things that are not holy, A needs to be which side of God?
1: Back. The, back. Back. Back.
0: the back side of God. Right. What does the back side mean? Interact. What? Interact. What were examples of the backside that we spoke lowering. about yesterday? Providing. Providing. Why is providing the backside? Because
2: it's not unique to
0: Hashem. Right, it's not unique to Hashem. The, the face means what <laughs> is uniquely Himself. Right? The backside means things that are superficial. Mm-hmm. Okay? External. Okay? And then we had to have this idea of lowering, right? Because even things that are true, even Hashem's backside, right, is on a level that is beyond... The klipa. so there's the lowering. And then we spoke about the contraction, the concealment, right, which is the idea of not letting the whole truth through. And then finally, we spoke about exile, right? And it's those four steps that allow godliness to create and sustain the Sitra ahura. Right? That's what we discussed yesterday. Yes? Sorry,
2: back backside means superficial?
3: Yes. And there's
0: no type of backside that's
3: not
2: superficial?
0: Mm-hmm. Correct. It sounds like you have a question that you want to ask. I
3: just don't understand that. Like, everything that, everything has power. And it's all superficial in this? Mm -hmm. When the Gaim have power and win over us, that's superficial? Mm -hmm. Why is that superficial?
0: Because that doesn't... Because superficial... What does superficial mean? I'm doing What does it mean that something is superficial? It's...
1: Not
0: real? No, it's as it, it's as it is on the surface. The fact that Goyim... Let's... The, we'll be blunt. Let's be blunt, yes? The fact that the Holocaust happened really tells you what kind of being Hashem is or it doesn't? Yes or no? No. No, it doesn't. Why?
1: So, so because it comes
0: from something superficial. And if, you only, and if you only know something that's superficial, right? You know the famous expression, don't judge a book by its cover? Yeah. Right? It's a lousy cover, but maybe it's a really good book inside, but you have to open up to read it. Maybe, right, someone is very charismatic, right? Right. But they might be disturbing inside if you got to know them, right? Maybe someone is inept, but maybe if you got to know them, you'd realize that they're really a good person, Right. There's things that are true about something, but they're only, go, they're, they're only on the surface. And so if you go deeper, you have a better sense of what's really going on. So everything that comes about in terms of the klipa is never coming from who Hashem truly is and what makes Him who He is, which is holy, which is above and beyond and transcends being like anything we know of. Everything else comes from something which is technically true about Hashem, but is superficial. Wouldn't
3: everything in this world be that though? Correct, Even correct. The good stuff?
0: Yes. We're about to read that. You have a book? I have a What? I got a
1: copy.
0: You got a copy. So we're at the paragraph that starts consequently. <laughs> consequently, this world, with all of its contents, is called the world of Kleepa and Sitra Achra. So isn't that exciting? <laughs> yep. Therefore, all mundane affairs are severe and evil, and wicked men prevail, as explained in Eitzchai Portal 42, end of Chapter 4. So, if you would like to get ahead in life, who should you, who should you uh, take care of, first and foremost? Yourself. Yourself. Moreover, if you figure out how to play the klipa game correctly, you're going to be very successful in life. There's a famous story of the Gemara where there was a man named Unculus. You've heard of Unculus? Yes. Yes. How have you heard of Unculus?
1: Because the Chumash.
0: So Unculus was the one who um, reconstructed the Aramaic translation of the Chumash. The the first translator of the Chumash into the Aramaic language was anyone know who translated it? It was a rabbi. It was a rabbi. Which rabbi? I'll give, you a, I'll give you a hint. He was the first rabbi. Mishnah. That's right.
3: Right, there was two. Was like
1: the. of, No, like one was
0: written in what to do? No. Moshe translated the Chumash into all the languages before he died, right. including Aramaic. And the Aramaic translation was preserved It eventually got kind of corrupted and distorted. And Unculus, um, he, in the times of the Mishnah, he went and uh, fixed it up, made sure that, you know, the correct versions of the words and all sorts of things, okay? Um, and it, his, trans, his translation, any translation is obviously in commentary, is considered to be basically the first and foremost commentary on the Chumash. Um, for instance, the halacha is that a man is required to review the weekly Torah reading, and he should review it twice, and then one time when on the unkos. There are those who are lenient and say Rashi is sufficient, if you just did it with Rashi, but the strict halacha is one should really do it with, uh, which just means extra reading. Right? Anyway, so Uncles he was a convert, he w- um, and when he wanted to convert, he wanted to check things out, and decide if this whole conversion thing was a good idea. So what would you do if you were going to convert, or maybe you have converted? Maybe, uh, what would you do if you want to check out if Judaism is a good idea? How would you go about doing that?
1: I'm talking to yeah. Jews.
0: Talking to Jews, right? But Uncles was more creative. He figured, well, why don't I talk about the en- talk to the enemies of the Jews and get their take. Right. Opposition research. Why? Well, you obviously have to ask people who are not going to lie to you, right? Who have the opposite perspective but are going to tell you the truth, right? So you need, you need some dead enemies of the Jews because it's only in the afterlife, it's the world of truth, right? You don't ask people in this world. This world is called the world of falsehood. So, using his powers of necromancy, because, you know, of course, uncle has to have powers of necromancy.
3: <laughs> what? How else could this possibly
0: Right. Be? I mean, <laughs> no
3: non has decided to do this.
0: Well, so he decided to raise the spirits of three very famous people. They are Titus, who happened to be um, um great-great-great-uncle or something. Yeah. Um, and Billam.
1: Right. Naturally.
0: And Jesus, because, you know, want to round out the trio. So yes, the Talmud does say Jesus did rise from the dead.
1: Uh-huh.
0: No, really it really
2: does.
0: But, uh, yeah, <laughs> don't but not in that sense. <laughs> anyway, yes.
3: But what? short <laughs>
0: So he asked each of them. He so he asked so so he asked them who's you know from once you're in that world, the world of truth, from that perspective, who's really significant? Like what's it really all about? And um, Titus, Titus, the one Roman emperor who destroyed the temple. I mean, he wasn't emperor at the time. His father was emperor, but whatever. He says, the Jews. And so Uncle says the next thing is, well, should I join them? And so Titus says, no, don't join the Jews. You should oppress the Jewish people. Because by oppressing the Jewish people, you'll become powerful. Because the key to power in that world is klipa. And the more klipa you have, the more powerful you'll be. So don't join the Jews. Oppress the Jews. And then Uncle says, and... um, How's it going for you upstairs, like, or downstairs, wherever you are? <laughs> you know, what's happening with you? You know, probably be being punished. So he says, well, the sentence I passed on myself, which is for reasons we're not going to get into, is that he had his body burned and his ashes cast on the seas. So every day, God reconstructs my body and burns me and then casts my ashes over the seas and then repeats forever. So it's like, hmm. I don't think that strategy of being powerful in this world really leads to, like, the ultimate thing that I want. So then he asked Billum I have
3: issues with this. All right. Sorry. <laughs> it's a story. It's okay.
0: Okay. But the, the reason why I bring up the story, and then he asked Jesus, oh, that's very interesting. The reason why I bring up the story is that, that Titus's answer is that if you want to get ahead in life, you need to have mm-hmm. Klippa. Because this is a world of Klippa. Okay. And this is a constant theme in Kabbalistic literature, is that as a general rule, there are exceptions, but as a general rule, if you want to make it in life, you klipa. Now, it is a short-lived proposition. Now, in other words, um, eventually, it's going to burn itself out. You know, ultimately has temporary value to Hashem. But this is the world where klipa, klipa is not just easier, klipa is not just more prevalent, klipa is also the path to more power. So, as it says, all mundane affairs are severe and evil and wicked men prevail.
2: Does Kleepa only exist here?
0: Nope, nope, I will in fact tell you.
2: Wait, what did you just say? Kleep is not as easier, it's the path to land?
0: Power. More power? More power.
2: In this world. world
0: what? Only present in this world. Well,
3: okay, so. But apparently Kleepa exists in other areas, in other worlds too. Whatever Correct,
0: so I will I will tell you how this works because you asked and it's, it's a good thing to know. So. Imagine you have a giant barrel of wine,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there's sediments at the bottom. Right. So the sediments are like the klippa. They're all like at the bottom, they're packed there, right? And then the wine on top is all clear. Right? And then some idiot comes around and stirs the barrel. And what happens to all the sediments?
3: Just
0: disperses the whole barrel. Yeah, so the barrel. Now, there's still a higher concentration at the bottom, right. right? and the top, top, top is probably clear, but now there's a graduation. So there was this couple, you might have heard of them, um, I believe they were, their family name was Harishon.
2: Sorry. Sorry, I the last
0: name. Adam Harishon, eh? His family name is Adam Harishon? Uh-huh. No, I don't. Um, except I guess Chava doesn't have a last name. Yeah, Chava doesn't have a last name.
1: name called, um, is
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, she did come from Adam, right? But that's what yeah, is. okay. She carried the name. What? She
2: carried
0: the name. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, the first, who's the first Jew who was who, who assimilated when he moved to a foreign country? You know, you know, Jews they moved to a foreign country, they used to be like uh Schlossenberger and then they moved to America and now they're and, and now they're and now they're, and now they're just like burger or something because it's like more Americanized. So people do. So who was the first Jew who did that? Yosef.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Oh. Yosef. Okay. Yosef's yeah. great grandfather was Avram Avinu. <laughs> and then Avino, right? And then Yaakov Avinu, from the proud Avinu, and yani all of a sudden, he's a tzaddik. Changes his name.
3: Um, also, like with the point, they had
0: a different name for him. Yes, he has a different name. He did actually have a different name. He had an Egyptian name, mm-hmm. um, So Adam and Chava, when they ate from the tree of knowledge, what ended up happening is the klipas, which had been concentrated on the bottom of reality, got dispersed throughout reality. But they're concentrated. There's still higher concentration at the bottom. So the way it works is like this. For those of you who know about the four worlds, you know about the four worlds? There's four spiritual worlds plus this physical worlds, it gives you a total of how many? Five. Five, okay. So the highest spiritual world, which is known as Atsilos, has zero klipa in it, it's klipa free zone. Okay. The next world down, Bria, has a little bit of klipa. The world below it is called Yetzirah, it's half klipa, half kedusha. The world below that, which is called Asiya, is no Asiya, and this is called the spiritual world of Asiya, is majority Kleipa. And then you have this physical world, which is just, just completely the the, te- the technical expression is Rubaik Hakulei. The majority to such an extent that it is effectively the entire thing. The
2: whole world is in Kleipa.
0: That's right. There's you in terms of your godly soul and any mitzvahs you do.
2: I don't
0: Everything else. <laughs> Everything else is Kleipa. Oh my God.
3: this is about, like, if you have a pot of like meat and then one drop of milk falls in, and then it's like totally heifer anyway because it's just one drop, it's like literally godliness in this world. That's like the imagery that's,
0: no, that's exactly. that's exactly that's exactly literally- the, the, ana- the analogy. No, the analogy that's used in hope, the analogy that's used is that if you have um, a one drop of uh, if you have a, uh, if you have a, uh, if you have a, a, a drop of milk, that, and
3: it's as if it's not there. It's as if it's not
0: there, right? It's actually worse than that because that drop of milk. You want a quick halacha lesson? This is actually a profound thing. If you want to understand too. I mean, it keeps collecting more and more milk, but that doesn't work. So here's the thing: if you have a pot of chicken soup, let's say, for argument's sake, which is kosher, yeah. Um, and say so 60 meat, and then into that 60, I don't know, 60 ounces, but pick whatever unit you want, one, one equal unit of milk falls in. So it's like it's not there, right? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. That's called, that's an example, by the way, of Bittel. It's as if it's not there, right? But it's actually worse than that. It's not just if it's not there. Because then what happens if I add 1 plus of blood? So more than one unit of blood. So now, if you have well, blood, is forbidden, right? So and now there's not 60 times the blood, right? Because it's more than one. It's 60, I don't know, 1.1, 1.0, and whatever it is. It's a little bit more. It's too much blood, slightly too much blood. But we say this milk is effectively treated as if it's? Now it's not milk. It's, it's treated as if it's meat, so we say yeah. there's 61 units of meat against a little bit of blood. And this process continues on and onwards. And I was, not only yeah. the milk is not like it's there, the milk is treated as if it's meat. Now, but reverse this, and you put this with oh, yeah. Kripa, and then you put godliness. Oh,
1: gosh,
0: and the godliness actually becomes as if it's Kripa,
1: Kripa. That's
0: What's the nature what? of our world. What? And then if you add godliness of a different sort, it'll never, the only way to do this is to add, the only way to fix this problem is just to add more milk.
1: Right.
0: And so, basically, yes. Well, this right world, from the start. No, even if you add more milk after the fact, but then the milk, because the milk is never not really meat, so right, right. the milk finds more of its milk buddies. Right, than the milk, milk, then, milk then the okay, milk right? rebels, like, like, wait a minute, we're not meat, we're milk, right? So yes, if you do more mitzvahs and stuff, you can maybe change the fact that the world is entirely klipah But yeah, this world is entirely klipah So that's optimistic, right? <laughs>
3: okay. yeah, but even our mitzvahs are very physical.
0: Physicals, not klipum. You weren't here for that, so we're going to talk about You were here for the Mitzvah part, not the Kleibo part. Okay. Now we have a footnote. If I remember correctly. Yes. To be sure, in case you were depressed, there are contained in this world the ten spheres of the world of Asiya, of the side of holiness, as written in a time, portal forty-three. And within these ten spheres of Asiya are the ten spheres of Yetiro, and in them are the ten spheres of Bria, and in them are the ten spheres of Zilos, which abides the Ain Soph, blessed Ain Soph. Thus. The light of the blessed angel so pervades this lower world through being clothed in the ten spheres of, of the four worlds, namely those of Attila's breed, as explained in next time. Portal 47, chapter 2, and Sefer Gulim, chapter 20. I read that very quickly. Why? Because I am not going to explain any of it other than the main idea, which is this there is a basic idea in Hasidus, which is arguably the most important philosophical idea of Hasidus, which is there is no place devoid of God. Right? The chassidus teaches what's called the radical imminence. Imminence means God is present, and radical means? What do you mean someone who's a radical?
1: Extreme.
0: Extreme, right? Okay? So the famous, the famous way this is phrased is that, that the, the misnaga, the opponent of Hasidus says, is God in the bathroom? And the chasid said, of course, God is in the bathroom. And the misnaga says, how can you say God is in the bathroom? You can't study Torah in the bathroom. You can't do mitzvahs in the bathroom. The bathroom is an unclean place. That's heretical to say God is in the bathroom. The Chassid replies to say God is not in the bathroom is heretical. In fact, to say God is not in the bathroom to the same extent that God is in the Holy of Holies would be heretical. God is radically present everywhere at all times. Now, the Kabbalists can be brought to support the non chassidic position on this because the Kabbalists speak about this world being full of klipa. The whole world is klipa, right? So what the Alter is addressing in this note is that that's actually a poor reading of Kabbalah. If you read the Kabbalah properly, it actually comes up that even though this world is entirely klipun zidrach, which is devoid of holiness, in some other sense, it doesn't contradict this basic fundamental teaching chassidus that the Ein Sof Hashem Himself is radically present everywhere and in everything. Now, this is a footnote. Why is it a footnote? It was a side note, I guess. If you look, it's on the bottom, but whatever. Why is it a note? Right, it's not part of the main point. Right, right. In other words, And this is something, in the Tanya, whenever the Alter is saying something which seems to run afoul of some other standard, mystical idea, he'll often address that in a note. But that's not the point here. The point is, at the end of the day... And that's
2: why he like,
1: separates
0: it. Right, that's why he separates it. the end of the day, the, the point of this chapter is this world is a world of klipa. Mm-hmm. So, Right, And this happens all the time, right? You have some rabbi that say, you know, God is not present in the world, and some students say, but isn't God everywhere? Right? And then the, 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 the teacher's like, okay, do we really have to go through this right now? Because then, like, yeah. So which one is true? Is God everywhere or is this world devoid of God? Mm-hmm. Both, right? In as much as we are talking about our service of Hashem in this world as we live our lives, which one should we be focused on?
1: Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm.
0: Because if we're in a world of klipa, Right? Mm-hmm. And that means that that creates a barrier for our connection to Hashem, right? As we spoke about before, that our animal soul, our bodies, the lives that we live are all klipahs. Now, is it true that we should also be aware that there is another dimension of reality in which Hashem permeates everything? Okay, and this actually gets to a key idea in Hasidus, is that we don't want there to be this split. We would like it to be that if Hashem permeates everything, that should be all the way through, okay? Um, and in fact, one can make an argument, and this argument is made later on in chapter 37 of Tanya, this idea that there's this, this, on the one hand, the world is full of klipa, and on the other hand, God is present everywhere. That dichotomy is only resolved by the doing of mitzvahs, because when there no, enough mitzvahs have been done in the world, then all the klipa in the world is transformed into the side of holiness, and then voila, we don't have this dichotomy anymore. But to But to ignore the fact that in practice, being part of the world means to be enmeshed in a reality that is Klipa from beginning to its end, cannot be underplayed. While at the same time, there has to be an awareness that there is a, a so to speak, a higher truth. The godliness, for me, it's everything. Can this world exist
2: without Klipa, though? Yes. And how God being everywhere
0: is That we will have to wait till later.
2: Okay.
0: Yes, which is not the chapter, I don't want to go into that right now. It's a good question, but we're not going to talk about it right now.
2: And when we say God's everywhere, that's like the face of God, not the back side of God?
0: That's the face of God, yeah. Yes. Okay, really. There's actually a Hasidic discourse which asks the question, what's the difference between between the holy of holies and the, and the rest of the world if, if the face of Hashem, if the innermost truth of Hashem is present and permeates everything, then how can you say one place is holier than another? I'm not getting into the answers, but in other words, it's important to realize that sometimes in our great zeal to make things palatable, we oversimplify them, and the oversimplification, not just that it's childish and superficial, it also ends up being false.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: right? It is, isn't, it, you know, it's, it is 100% true that this world is a world that is, as the Hebrew expression is "rube kakuli, the majority to the extent that it's effectively the entirety of this world is sitra achra. And to operate in this world under the delusion that that's not the case because God permeates everything is just going to undermine any notion of what Hasidus teaches or what Kabbalah teaches for that matter about the role of Judaism, etc., etc. At the same time, just because one thing is true doesn't mean you completely throw out the other thing. Okay? But because here the, the Alteb is not the interested in the, in, the, in the philosophy of, the, of you know, God's omnipresence. What he's interested in is giving us understanding of the reality in which we live in order to guide us in how to be connected to Hashem right? by tapping into our godly soul and managing our animal soul and our body and the world around us properly. Right? So we have to understand every single thing in this world by default is klipa, is sitrachah, is devoid of holiness. Okay? Nothing has to happen, nothing has to be wrong, it doesn't have to be immoral, it doesn't have to be evil, it doesn't have to be ugly. Okay? Do you walk into someone's house, what do you assume about every object there? It's theirs.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? There's a presumption that everything in my house belongs to me. If someone wants to claim that something in my house belongs to them, what are they going to have to do? Prove it. And the burden of proof is going to be on them, right? I don't have to prove that it's mine. Okay, if you want to say something in this world is holy, what are you going to have to do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If someone wants to say that something in the world is klipa,
1: that's
0: have to prove it. That, that's, the, that's the takeaway here. Now, can we take things for away from the klipa and make them holy? Sure, that's part of the whole point of it, right? But we have to realize that, okay? And I want to point out something else. Has the author ever discussed how there's different kinds of clipas, better clipa, worse clipa? Has he done any of that yet? Um, no. Why do you think he he, he he starts off, this is the discussion we've had, where it's just clipa is clipa No caveating, no, well, you could use it for Hashem's sake. Why doesn't he do any of that?
1: Because first you have to establish
0: that. Where you go into else. Right. We want to establish very clearly that, and from the perspective of holiness, this is actually the first class we had on this, right? From the perspective of holiness... Kleepa is kleepa is kleepa is kleepa is kleepa. It's all no good. If it's not the side of holiness, it's the other side. If you're not with us, then by definition, you're against us. us. Very tolerant outlook, right? Okay. Good? So, we're going to do a test. Sneezy test. Cheesecake. Is it holy? No. No. Exercise.
1: No.
0: Meditation.
2: Um, could
0: be No, it is not holy.
2: If you're meditating
0: on the Torah, what? The act of meditation is not holy. We'll learn later on. Meditation. What? I don't really know meditation what meditation no.
2: is.
3: No,
0: the one thing, the one thing that is not going to be klippah is two things Torah, mitzvahs, and your neshama. That's it. And by the way, turn mitzvahs are only holy, by How the way. that
3: this is like literally just a book.
0: Well, because you weren't here when we discussed the holiness thing. That, so I'm can't. I'm gonna. not going to, I'm not going to, they're on the recorder. Perfect. I will go to
1: Okay.
0: Um, if a non-Jew, if a non-Jew, if a non-Jew writes tefillin, can can a Jewish man do the mitzvah tefillin with no. him? Why not? Yes, yeah. because he
1: doesn't have a shaman.
0: Because he doesn't have a shaman. Because he not have a shaman, can he infuse any holiness into the tefillin he writes? No. no. So it's actually if you go a little bit deeper, the only reason why the turn mitzvahs are holy is because a Jew is in. involved. Take the Jew out of it, right? This this goes back to what you asked about conversion. Is that before the convert converts, so so before the convert converts, even though in some sense they have a godly soul, but I said it's trapped, it's locked away. Mm-hmm. So. If they write tefillin, those tefillin are not valid. If they do a mitzvah, there's no holiness in their act.
2: Up until the very last.
0: Time. Up until the conversion goes through. Yeah. So then what would be the point of them doing anything
1: until they black out converted?
0: practice so that they don't, you know, the same. It's yeah. a big burden to yeah, yeah, you
2: don't want to, <laughs> don't want to just likely go into a Right. It's the same
0: reason we make children do mitzvahs, even though, I mean, there they have holiness, but they're not obligated We make them do them anyway because it's kind of hard that you hit the age of 12 or 13. It's like, well, now you've got to start keeping Shabbos. It's like, a big thing to pick up at later in life, right? So you want people to practice if they can. Get the hang of it.
2: They're not obligated. Children? Especially children are not obligated to do to anything. That's right. Really?
0: Yeah, that's what the bas mitzvah is. So taking your um,
2: father.
3: No, they're not yeah. obligated. Yeah. The right? But like, that's why the kids are adopted into families and they're not Jewish. That's when they decide
0: that. They're not obligated, but it but it has an effect on them. They're not obligated. There's an interesting halacha, right? If you, it, you
3: it, uh, need a I'll give it to your. Child.
0: No, that that's no, <laughs> that's no. no. You're not gonna do that. Assume not. There's certain special circumstances where yes, but generally not. No, but like, here's an example. Let's see, let, let's say, a strict matter of halakha, right? Let's say I, you see, there's someone who's in the process of converting, and um, I see them eating a cheeseburger. Do I have to stop them for tell them, you know, you should not to eat a cheeseburger? Do I have to stop no. them eating a cheeseburger? Okay. Let's say I see a Jewish kid eating a cheeseburger. Do I have to stop them?
1: Yeah,
0: of no, I don't have to stop
1: them.
0: No? I'm, I'm, now, there's a question of should, right? We can always, wait. There, remember strict letter of the law only gets you so far in life, right? But am I under any obligation to like take time out and go tell that kid to stop eating a cheeseburger? Mm-hmm. No, now if you're like, if I care about him, I probably should, right? But I, there's no strict obligation. The exception would be if, if you are a child's father.
1: What?
0: The child's father. The child's father does have an obligation to stop the child. From,
2: but
0: not their mother? Not their mother, mm-hmm. which is convenient. Because if, if your child is doing something like on Shabbos that they're not allowed to do, and you just don't have the patience to deal with it, you can pretend you don't see. And like strictly speaking, from a lachic perspective, whereas the father it's a little more complicated. <laughs> Fathers are required to intervene. Now there is a different idea, which is that there is a there is a still there is still a, there's, there's an intrinsic Torah value of education. So like what Jew in the right mind would let a Jewish child eat a cheeseburger, right? But it's not it's not a legal matter. And for that matter, if someone's serious about converting, I saw them eating a cheeseburger. You probably should also like, um, like what's going on. Like, you, you can't like, you know, if you're taking this stuff seriously, you probably shouldn't be like, right? It, 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 you're entrenching a side of kind of like inconsistency in your attitude. It's not good. Um, yeah. Now you can't, you can't, you can't tell an, a, a, a child to sin. You can't enable them to sin. You couldn't give them the cheeseburger to eat. That's what say. That's okay. That's forbidden. That's just not but right. Forbidden.
3: Yeah. The child Absolutely forbidden. Light what? we bring like child to
1: It's
0: So, so, so uh, here's basically uh, different rabbis do different, this differently, but, but the basic takeaway like this is if the child has any sense that they know what you want them to do, mm-hmm. then you can't do it. So, like, if you take a one-year-old and put them by a light switch and hope they might randomly hit the light switch, I mean, like, in the coin the strict letter of the law, that's probably you know not a not problem. Yeah,
1: not on. But
0: once once on. they once the child understands that, because then you're having them do something for you, and then it's a whole different thing. If it's an, if they're if they're aware that they're supposed to be doing something, then it's a. And if they're aware that it's Shabbos, then it's for sure problematic. What?
2: One-year-old.
0: A one year old was not aware. A of anything. But yeah. then there's an you're age where. You the one
3: year old's hand, and you're moving
1: the light. No, I the that it's only yeah, a one year old. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, I have a. I look.
0: I look. I have. I have. I have a one and a half year old. He can hit light switches. Yeah. So it's entirely possible that I can put him down next to the light switch and will hit the light switch. Right. He is also of the age, though, where he's just starting to get at the age where he can tell where he understands what we want from him. And so like, he runs this thing, like if I were to pick him up and put him right next to the light switch, he probably would have a sense he wants me to, I want him to the light switch. Right. That's already, and yes, as the sir, father the can't special problem. So he's turning
3: it on, off, on, off, not just turning it on and walking away.
0: Right, so uh, this is a thing you really, really you should not be doing. It's a bad idea to do. It. Okay, so now what we're gonna do, the rest of the chapter, the rest of the chapter um, introduces us to the idea that klipa comes in two flavors. Okay, the klepa comes into two flavors. So here they call two grades of klepa. So now that we've established the basic premise that when we are talking about kedusha, it's black and white. So I I I, I like sometimes I think visualizations help. They make an idea clear. Um, which is actually why we're using like the idea of up and down, right? Okay. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna draw a little diagram of klepa and kedusha and the fact that klepa comes into two flavors. Okay. To illustrate the idea clearly. So many people have the following notion, which is not entirely wrong, which is like this. You would have, I can use Hebrew? Does anyone object to me using Hebrew? Mm. No? Okay. So you would have kedusha. And then above the kedusha, you would have klipa, and there would be like the higher form of klipa called klipa for right now. And then you would have the lower klipa. Days. Now, those of you probably know, this higher klipa we're going to call Klippas Noga. And it's going to be called the three impure Klippas. We'll get to that in a second. This is kind of how you guys visualize it, something yeah. like that? Okay. I want you to think of it more like this. This is not wrong, but we haven't learned this idea yet. What I want you to think about is like this. You have, we have two sides. right? We have the side of Kedusha. And we have the side of citraha right? Which is Klippas. Then what do we do? We take the klipa, and what do we do with that side?
1: Into? We
0: split it into two. Two sides or like two levels. So there's two, two levels of the klipa. So, kedusha, klipa, two sides, right?
1: There's no middle.
0: There's no middle, right? If it's kedusha, it's kedusha. If it's klipa, it's klipa. There's this line. It's a hard line. But within the realm of klipa, there's going to be higher and a lower. Now, it is true that you can then, once you understand this, you can then understand that the, the higher Klippa can become an intermediary and stuff. We'll get to that in Chapter 7. But it's very important that our starting place is, there's Kedusha and then there's Klippa. And then we take the Klippa and divide it into two. Mm-hmm. Right? And so relative to the perspective of is it kadusha or is it not, all Klippas go in the same category. They're not kadusha, They're Sitraka on the other side. Okay? So it's not like kosher where you have like dairy and meat and parav. It's not like that.
1: Right.
0: Kosher, it's more like kosher and not kosher. If it's kosher, it's kosher. If it's not kosher, it's not kosher. That's it. There's no middle category. Right? Or it's like Jewish. You're either Jewish or you're not Jewish. Good? All right. However... The klipas are subdivided in two grades, one lower than the other. The lower grade consists of the three klipas which are together unclean and evil, containing no good whatever. So.
1: Whatever.
0: Whatsoever. 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 You have whatsoever? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Whatevers. uh, My text says whatever, reading what my text (laughs) says. I I should get your version. Except it doesn't have the these and the that yeah. so you know <laughs> so any we need we need we need we need we need we need the these and the that need like a synthesizer okay
2: well, at this point you could probably just stick
0: them in is there an english tanakh here should be here no yeah no
2: yeah that I was the back
0: behind you i see a green tanakh right there it right.
2: should be a oh. yeah the
3: ringle oh, there yeah that'll work
0: okay <laughs> yeah, so is english english yeah in this one oh, yeah exactly no. <laughs> Well, it's not only English. One time in the men's program, I asked one of the Bachans to bring me a Tanakh. And he brings me a Tanakh. And there was only English. There was no Hebrew. I That's think, this weird. is weird. right? <laughs> like I've never seen such a thing. And I flipped to the front, and it was, was something... It no, it was it Bible? No, it was clearly a Tanakh, because it only had our books in it. It didn't have any of their books.
1: Why did
0: So then I, I looked in the title page, and it was published by the Reform Movement.
3: Oh. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> and so I, end up in the
0: there's all sorts of weird things that end up in the notes Men's program. They just, like,
3: donate. They've like, quadrupled yes. the amount
2: of books we
0: have. Yes, people, people for, like, we recently, I don't know, like, two years ago, I don't know, somebody, like, there was somebody who was, I think Japanese, who was seriously considering converting to Judaism, was living in Jerusalem for a few years. And decided not to convert or something like this, and decided to donate his whole library of Jewish books. And so we have like all these books that have like notes written in Japanese on them, That's with right. highlights. But like there's like books that are like not kosher books in terms of like you know the conservative movement books and so stuff like that. that. Well, um, I'm the unofficial censor, which is I go through the library, and if I see a book that I don't like, I remove it from the library. Uh, you remove <laughs> the English books. What? The English Tanakh. So um, and... yes, we got rid of the English Tanakh mm-hmm. because um you know if somebody who doesn't believe in Torah. Um, translate the Tanakh. I don't think the translation should be in the <laughs> library. So that was that. Okay, so um, there's a prophet whose name is Yehezkel. You've heard of Yehezkel? Ezekiel? Okay. So Yechezkel, um he had a prophetic vision, which is right at the beginning of Yehezkel, um, where he saw the Chariot of God. So, I mean, the, those of you who have encountered some chasidis, you've heard about the different spiritual levels and worlds and things like this. Mm-hmm. Where are they mentioned in the Tlach? Yeah. So, there, there's a few prophecies which are very, like, colorful. Um, were like the burning
1: angels in the house.
0: Right. But the most detailed one is Yechazkul. The reason why Yechazkul is the most detailed is because the, the analogy that's given is that if you're a peasant and you go to the palace, you notice everything. But if you, if you, um, uh, live in the capital city, you don't notice all the pageantry of the palace because you're accustomed to it. You just pay attention to the king. So the higher level prophets talk more about God. The lower the prophet, the more they talk about what's around God, angels and spiritual levels and stuff like this. And the lowest of the major prophets is Yehudah. He's actually the prophet prophesized after the destruction of the temple. Um, so. So he, now, the way his prophecy works is actually quite interesting, is that he starts his prophetic vision from the bottom. So we just learned that the bottom is all this leafless, right? So he starts off his prophetic vision. He says, I looked suddenly, and there was a stormy wind coming from the north, a great cloud with clashing fire and a brilliance surrounding it from inside it. Doesn't sound scary, right? Should I say that again?
1: Yeah.
0: All right. I'm going to count, but as I'm talking, okay? I looked suddenly and there was a stormy wind coming from the north, a great cloud with clashing fire and a brilliance surrounding it from, the inside, from inside it.
2: A, a brilliance.
0: A brilliance. A brilliance. How many things did I count? Four. Four. How many klipas are there? Two. The lower grade consists of the three impure klipas, which are altogether unclean. And then there's, yeah, does anyone know what the word noga means? Light. Light, Brilliant. In fact, would you like to hear this in Hebrew? It
1: means what? Yeah. Light. Light. An
0: light, radiance. Noga means light. The way this works in Hebrew, a great wind came from the north, a big cloud, a big uh, uh, how do you put this Flashing fire. The noiga lay saviv, And it was a noiga. So, have you guys ever heard this term, Klepas noga? Yeah. Klepas noga just means a klipa of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In other words, this idea that there are these three inferior klipas and then there's going to be this fourth one called Klepas noga, this is actually directly taken from Yechezkel's <laughs> prophecy. Because Yechezkel, in other words, what is the first thing that you encounter as you have spiritual perception? Klippa, because that's right. That's, think about it for a second psychologically, right? If you're going to become aware of yourself, the first thing you're going to become aware of is what? What of yourself? What are you going to be first aware of? My body. You're going to be aware of your body, your behavior, right? Yeah. Then you're going to be aware of your thought. Then you're going to be aware of what's motivating for your thoughts, the feelings that are motivating your thoughts at present. Then you're going to become aware of the beliefs right, that underlie it. Right? You work from the outside in. So Yechezkel is the only prophet who, is, in his actual prophecy, describes the experience of working from the outside in. And so the first thing he encounters are the three impure klipas, which is the lower klipas. And then he encounters this higher level klipa, and he calls it klipa of light.
2: The third one? Um, and everyone
0: else? The, the, the flashing fire. Mm-hmm. What? Esh Mislakachas. Or a shower of fire. So we read that way, too. So are some of the three kripa, like farther out, if you are working
2: outside and?
0: Yes, yes. Forward? So now, in Hasidus, I'm, um I'm sure that if I asked you guys what are the three impure Kripa's, other than just their allusions to in Tanakh, you would have no idea, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, um, in Hasidus, it doesn't anywhere discuss what the three impure klipas are. What do you mean
3: by
0: what they are? They are. I mean, there are three of them, right? What are they?
3: I mean, like, and the other... It
0: It gives them the biblical names. It,
3: gives, it says this is the name for it, and it doesn't tell you what it
0: is. Okay, so generally it's like this. Generally, what, what is it, Generally, the way Hasidus talks about the three impure klipas is like this. The three impure klipas are... What, is it, what, what does it say? Altogether unclean and evil, containing no good whatsoever. Like, that's usually the emphasis. Whereas the other klipa is more complicated and interesting. So
3: then how could godliness be a klipa if that's like the only way that you can describe klipa?
0: Well, there's no—if about one drop of milk falls into my 60 ounces of chicken soup, there's no—there's no milk there! Quote, 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 right? Mm. That's the explanation. It's totally subsumed. It's totally but buff- The godliness has become buffed with the cleat, but that's the idea of exile we spoke at the end of the you know, last class. So, the, so generally, it doesn't, it doesn't talk about the three in are are why they're three. It just doesn't talk about it. It just groups them as a group and says as a group, what they have in common is their sitra achra, and there's no good in them whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. Um, there is a book which is like a Musa work based on Kabbalah called Reish Yitzchachma. It's a great book. Um, kind of like a gateway drug to chassidists. In fact, in the early generations, before the, like the times of the Alt Rebbe, when people were interested in becoming a chassid, the chassidim would say, here, go learn this book, Reish Chachmah. And it got to be so well known that if you were re- learning Reish Chachmah you were checking out chassidim so that it's not have been banned, Reish <laughs> Um But anyway, in this book, it actually says what the three imping- what?
2: How
0: is it? It's not a guide. It's like a preparatory thing, like starting to think about like Torah and mitzvahs in terms of like the idea of relationship with Hashem and spirituality. It's, spirituality. What? it's
3: like a stepping stone. a yeah, right 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 gateway.
0: Yeah, it really is. No, I mean, I mean, it's still study. I mean, I mean, it has different sections. There's, there's, a, there's a section called the gate of love, a section called the gate of fear, a section called the gate of holiness. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> so in there, um, it actually describes what the three impure Klipas are as they play out in a person. Okay? Right? Um, and they are now but remember everything about Kadushan Kleep is oriented to the holiness of Hashem, right? Mm-hmm. So the tendency is not in and of itself, you If I say something like if I say something like anger, right? We have to understand anger in terms of, well, what does anger mean relative to the holiness of God? Okay, so let me go. So they are, um, going from the um, top down, there's arrogance, gaiva, arrogance, stubbornness. Like
3: you're going through...
0: Going through the three impure clipa is what they are in a person. Yeah, the first one is, the first, no, the first one is going to... As to anger?
3: Like,
0: no, I'm just telling you that I have to explain like, what they yeah, are because if I just tell you arrogance, is not necessarily the three impure kliyas. I'm going to give you their names, but then I have to describe what they are because remember, klipa is always in the context of relative to God. So if I'm just being arrogant,
1: so
0: what is I mean, Reb how draws them sources also so this is yeah. not you know. this is again this, this idea is not like what I'm teaching you now is like not really Hasidus it's like it's just Jewish it's ethics based it's pre-Hasidus stuff yeah. so and it's something that Hasidus just like group treats it as a whole because it doesn't get into this nitty gritty but I still think it's interesting um, mm-hmm. and uh, so the first one is arrogance or, or pride I guess you call it Hebrew gaiva the second one is stubbornness or akshanus. And the third one, the lowest one, is kas anger. Okay.
3: It does list this summer, right,
1: Antonia? Yeah. It's
2: on. Can you, like, the ruler? Yeah. It doesn't list this summer? Wait, by higher you it's mean, mean bad, it It's hurt. not as bad. Not as better.
1: I'm thinking we get
0: one who is on bad ends or something. Kind of a. It does. It mentions them. It mentions it earlier in time, but not in this context. Oh,
1: oh it does. Alright.
0: Okay. Right. Yeah. Gaiva. I'm going to explain it in what I think is the simplest way, and the simplest way is board games. Thank you. As well. Board games. You ever play a board game with a child?
1: Yeah.
0: So, the difference between playing a board game with an adult and playing a board game with a child is adults play board games because board games are enjoyable, or they're not and then you don't play them, right? But I happen to think board games are enjoyable. Well-designed board games anyway. Yes? Okay. But children, why do the children play board games? To win. to win, right? Words, if the child were to sit down the game knowing they're not going to win, would they play? No. If an adult knows they're not going to win, will they still play? Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, it has to be reasonably competitive because otherwise it's just boring, right? But like, I would play a game with a person who's much better at me than chess, right? Because it's still so interesting and fun to play, right? I'll play a game, you know... I was playing a game with 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 my wife and two of my boys and it was just very clear about, you know, I don't know, by very the beginning of the game, just my luck didn't work out and there was no way I was gonna win. But it's still enjoyable to play and see as far as you can get, right? So like but there's a certain arrogance. It's more
1: fun to play
2: when you know you're not gonna
3: win. Right. Yeah, but we only learned that from like playing it a bunch of times, not winning and realizing we had a good time.
0: Right.
2: Like it's so annoying to play with a kid when you know you're
0: gonna win. Right. That's why I try and find games to play with my kids that reasonably there's a chance they could win. Really? This
2: what? is a
0: game? Yeah. Well, usually they have to have some element of chance because if it's just pure strategy, then I'll probably beat them.
2: Mm-hmm. Like the lack of Monopoly.
0: Like Monopoly has it's that. Stupid. Yeah.
1: I
2: love
1: Monopoly. I love yeah, it Monopoly.
3: The problem with Monopoly is that... The problem
0: with Monopoly is... The, pro- the problem really with Monopoly is easy. once you understand... Once, yeah, if, you can
3: manipulate like that real easy. The, pro-
0: the, pro- the problem with Monopoly is that, like, there, is that it's very fixed. And so if you if you understand the statistics of Monopoly um, and the person you're playing with doesn't, then it's very hard to lose. Um
2: you yes. should, like, you know, this, this, this yeah. places so yeah. doesn't get that, still don't but, Like, when like, <laughs> you're human, problem, like yes. how much you like to make, and then like, you can calculate the whole thing. Right. Play. OK, it's well, Like we po- so like right. books, and so, books, yes, and yes, books, yes, not, like, yes. yes. You can
0: be a professional Monopoly yeah. player. It doesn't yeah. get as much professional poker. Anyway.
2: But there are other Yes. you can calculate. Anyway. Monopoly player? Why like chess, I Anyway,
0: getting back to that, the child, the child, the child plays because the point of playing is that I win. Right? Now, the thing about winning as opposed to playing is playing doesn't necessarily come at the expense of someone else, and it doesn't prioritize you. Right? Whereas winning, by definition, comes at the expense of the other person. does prioritize you, right? Okay. So here's the thing, right? What is, now, what is what is the, the first clepa? The first klipa is the, like this, is that there is room for God on one condition. There's room for God on one condition. What's the one condition? No. no. This is talking no, no, about the sure klipa say, guy. What? Uh, that
3: that it works with like how I speak myself.
0: That's right. God is there to serve my needs. Mm-hmm. Whatever the higher power creator of the universe is there for one purpose and one purpose only, which is? Me. Me. Right? Right. When it this is the arrogance? Yeah, this is the arrogance. And there's a child relative to, you, know, you have to think of it relative to Hashem, right? Words, what does it mean to be arrogant relative to Hashem? It means, of course, God. God, you know, God is wonderful. God is powerful. But really, what God is there for me. Okay. That's it. Okay? God is, God has no value in his own right whatsoever, right? Okay? In other words, arrogance goes along with the idea of objectification. This is not atheism. I'm not saying there's no God. There's God. Yeah, there's God. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, God is a place because I need Him. Now, if I could not need God, that would even be greater, right? But I mean, can't. Yeah. That's the first klepa. The first klepa's attitude is. is that's the
1: worst one. No, that's
0: that's that's. The, the. Then you move down to the level called akshanos. Stubbornness, okay? So going back to the board game, what happens when the child is losing?
1: Cries.
0: No.
3: They refuse to play there's a step before that. Well, first they're gonna they refuse to admit that they
0: lost. <laughs> they're gonna not admit that they lost, they're gonna insist the rules change, they insist someone cheats, you right? Cheated. There's a total, there's an insistence yeah. <laughs> that everybody else change to accommodate themselves. I don't have to change, everything else has to change. Akshanas. Yeah. I don't have to change. God has to change. (laughs) Now, what happens when the parent does not give in to, you know, or the other kids you're playing with, no one cheated, we're not changing the rules in the middle of the game, then what happens? The
1: board's flipped over. The
0: board's flipped over, (laughs) which leads us to an outright rejection, which is cost, right? So there is, God is here to serve me. God has to change. If God won't change, there's no place for God anymore. Those are the three impure klipas. So it's
2: like, it's steps. You don't stop by
0: one. That's right. But there's a package deal, because there's nothing good about any of this.
2: Right, but I'm saying you don't stop by God, and then, like, you... Always end in
0: anger. That's right. It's, 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 no, it's,
2: there,
0: there, there's, it's, yeah, it's a package deal. It is, it's a, it's, you can view them as a package deal, but there is a, there's a progression. right? You know, it's the underlying thing is the, ang, is the is the gaiva, which leads to the akshans, which Correct. leads to the kas. So it's like levels there. There, there. there are like levels, but Hasidus doesn't care about this because at the end of the day, if your attitude towards God is that God is here to meet my needs, like everything after that, like there's no, like, like think about that just in a human relation for a second, right? If you're in a relationship with a person where your basic attitude is your right to exist is because you serve my needs. Is that a relationship? No. Okay. Like they, in some sense, the you've right totally. To
3: t- exist? Whoa, well, that's, that's, that's that, intense. But that's basically. <laughs> that with
0: me. That's. And therefore, if you're not accommodating my needs, you need to change. I don't need to change. And if you're not going to change, well, then get out.
2: On the stubbornest level?
0: That's the three impure klipas. So, like, if something's strengthening the three impure klipas inside of a person, these tendencies, these feelings towards Hashem will, be, will become more dominant in our psyche. Mm. So in other words, like this. Just one second. Let's say you do something that... Just, I'll actually go... Yes, go just in a second. Let's say you do something that get that, that puts the three impure cleavages into you. Yeah. So what's going to happen? You're going to have a stronger tendency to feel that God, God is there, to serve me. and if something's not working out, He's one who to change. And if He's not willing to change, then he should, then He should go away. Right?
3: He, you know,
0: that's a natural outcome like That is the in, psych like,
2: these, theory, yeah, like, so you know,
3: This is
0: the psychological Manifestation of the three impure So that's three what parts. happens
2: every time you're upset with Hashem Like something doesn't go your way
3: and like you bring out Hashem so like, mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I'm saying like I've never Yeah I personally have never Ever been like godly Exists for me But I have would been you? like would I like? wouldn't exist without God so I guess One time one that?
0: that? that? Would you please turn oh you don't have this but in chapter one in chapter one, it says In the case of Israel, the soul of the Klipah is derived from Klipa's noga, which also contains good.
3: So it gets complicated.
0: Though. Right, because our souls are not naturally like this. Like if this is happening to you, you've been infected.
3: Yeah, because I'm saying like never once has has I has like it registered to me that like, oh well things aren't going the way I want, so like it just God it can't
0: exist. Well like, usually one sec, one second, one second, one second, one second. One second. second. That that one second, one second, one second, one second, one second one second, one second, one second. That does happen, but it happens in very subtle ways. That usually doesn't ha- if it happens in that kind of absolute kind of an extreme way, then we're talking about something that's very then, but no, but that's what allows a person to make compromises in halakha. Oh, right. So for
3: sure I'm saying like
0: I yeah. But it's very subtle, it's worming its way into your psyche, it's not the totality of your psyche. But there are people that are like that. There are people like that. There's—I mean, What do you mean? There's suffering in the world, so I can't believe in God. Discussion over, right? There are people like that. Like, like, how could there be God if there's suffering? Mm-hmm. Well, what's the thought process? There's if no there's life a... Of there is, because what's the underlying assumption? Is that? He's
1: here to serve me. So if he's not serving it could,
0: me. The fact that the suffering in the world might serve his purposes, and maybe maybe you're not that important in your perspective in reality. Oh, it says not even. It's
3: that, but it's not coming.
0: It is coming from that. It is coming from that. It's not coming from the compassion for those who are suffering because we see there are people who believe in God very fervently and have equal amounts of compassion. So that's not the difference. Yes?
2: Um, so we said in the arrogance is a place for God because he's serving you. In the stubbornness, is there a conditional like place for God like only if he is serving you, but it's not, there's
0: no place for God. Right, which is why I mean, they there's flow. There's
2: no place for God at the
0: bottom. Right, which is, you see how they flow to the other, right? Mm.
3: So it's like one goes to the next, goes to the next. Right, yeah.
0: right. So, Hasidic says, like, getting hung up on these differences is, a, is, like, kind of silly because, like, it's one basic problem. Yeah. Right? There's no acknowledgement that God is, like, well, maybe maybe the center of things is God and not us. There's, there? Traditionally, Jews have believed that the Earth is the center of the universe, and the sun goes around the Earth. Okay, I, I'm sure everyone knows that in modern um, high schools they teach people that the sun is the center of the solar system, and the Earth goes around the sun. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there was a Hasidic Rebbe named the the Yerushan, or the Holy Gerushin Rebbe, who said that um, this shift in thinking from geocentric to heliocentric is a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not getting into the science toward This is I want to bring this, and he said why. Because the Earth represents man and the Sun represents God, so it used to be that people thought that God revolves around people. Now people come to realize that people revolve around God. Right? Who's the center of the universe? Us or God?
3: Absolutely true on like an abstract level, but like in my daily experience, I don't feel that at all.
0: Right. Okay. So now, like the
3: only thing I'm experiencing is my own experience. So like.
0: Right. Now, just so that I can teach this to you as a little bit of a package deal, and then we'll get back into the text. I'm gonna I'm gonna preempt. The um, what it says in chapter seven, which is the second kind of klipa, clipas noga, which is called the, the klipa of brilliance, the klipa of light. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is known by the Aramaic word. And this Kessita speaks a lot of a lot about um, and I'll give you the Aramaic as you will see. Lagarme. lugarme is Aramaic for for oneself. The Hebrew Laatzma. And this idea is that everything ultimately is just about you. But now, like so now if I'm sitting down and I'm playing a game of chess with somebody, why am I playing the game of chess?
3: Because I enjoy it.
0: Because I enjoy it. However, however, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like I can equally recognize that they enjoy it. I can realize that like, it's more fun if we're enjoying it together. I mean
3: you can intellectually know that, you can feel that they're enjoying it, you can know all that stuff, but at the end of the day,
1: like
0: So it's not for them. It's for me, but it doesn't have that element of completely objectifying and rejecting them, okay? Let me give you some examples of this. Have you ever gotten on a bus? There's only one seat left. You're the only person that just got on the bus. You sit down, right? Make sense? And then someone gets on the bus, and they're older. Now, why do you get up? Many people get up because it's kind of uncomfortable. You feel like a jerk. If you I mean, stay sitting so down while well, this older person is standing up, right? So why are you really getting up? For yourself. Because it's for yourself. Because yeah. you don't want to feel like a jerk, yeah. right?
3: You also want the, the older man to stand,
0: no? Oh, that depends. You could have tremendous compassion, respect for the older person. But most people, the reason they get up...
2: But you didn't wait for you. No no no, 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 no,
0: no, so no, 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 no. So this is, this is what I wanted. So if you put in the context of a person, if I see the older person, right, and and it just seems obvious that of course they're entitled to the seat, right?
1: Yeah, because they need it more than you. So. right,
0: they need when you get up. So then, then, then that's for them, right? It happens. I I recognize it, right? But then I could be I could be sitting get, getting up because staying seated just feels awkward. It feels uncomfortable. It feels like I'm being a jerk, and I don't want to feel that way about myself. So I get up. Or it could be the reverse. I want to be able to tell myself in my head that I'm such a good moral person, by, and so. It's not so easy to figure out from looking at the person what the motivation is. You could be getting up because you genuinely think the other person's entitled to it, and that's it. You could be getting up because you don't want to feel like a jerk. You could be getting up because you want to be able to think of yourself as a highly moral person.
2: What about when you feel bad for someone? Is that coming from your feeling bad? There's so to get many rid different. There's so
0: many different kinds of feeling bad.
2: But that's like um, the
0: pity. Pity's usually into this category because yeah, because it's. Remember, I said about selfish. It's, you self. it's uncomfortable. You don't like feeling pity towards other people. Well, yeah, that's often. the... That's true. That's true. That's true. So what I wanted is, is that if we, it, if we draw a line here, we can say that you know, let's use another person's selfish. Right? If I think you're here for me, and therefore you have to change, and you to change, you're out. Right? That we could all call selfish. And, I, and you know how I would feel about the word selfish, right? Mm-hmm. That's all selfish. But if I'm doing things lit on I me mean for myself, but my sense of self recognizes the values of others and stuff like that. Out sometimes it's more self, sometimes it's less self. The way self plays into it is very complicated, right? Yeah. But I wouldn't go so far as to call all of that selfish, right? If like I feel like a jerk, think about it. If I feel like a jerk, sitting down while an older person is standing up. Right, that clearly means on some level I'm not selfish, and therefore bothers me that I'm acting in such a you know right, selfish you know, that way.
3: It isn't just how you feel about yourself. Right, and those,
0: so there, so the, there's a lot of myself wrapped up, and it's ultimately my own discomfort with myself that's making me get up. It's not just directly the sense that that person really needs it more than me, but at the same time, that's not you on, it, it doesn't have the sense of like, well, he's just there for me. It's all about me. It's not, it doesn't have that. So this, this, with this category that's Noga is basically this, and, and if we were to put it in, a, in, in the psychological manifestation, is that everything has to have some way that it benefits me, some way it touches me, some way it comes back to Every me. Every single thing. Every single thing. That's, that would be Noga. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's this rejection or objectification of Hashem. Okay, so I'm, I'm preempting some stuff we'll say later on. We'll get to later on. I mean, couldn't, isn't life much better when you have good friends? Yes or no? Yeah,
1: for
0: sure. And, to good friend, and can you have any good friends when your whole attitude to them is that they exist just to serve your needs?
1: No.
0: Okay, so therefore if your interest is in yourself, you might not want to drop down at this level of gaifa, right? I mean, what kind of marriage are you gonna have? What kind of parent are you going to be? What kind of, what kind of life are you going to have? Right? If your attitude serves everybody is they're there to serve my needs, you're going to be very lonely. Right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the fact that I need connection right, can make me very open to valuing somebody else for who they are. Right? So this, this, this is much more interesting and complicated. Right? This is for myself. Well, for myself can mean so many things in so many ways.
3: Also like, on another level, I feel like, okay, so you're saying, like, Hashem and, like, my soul, Torah, and so are the only things that exist outside of Thiba. Right. Right? And, but, like, I don't really experience this in my connection to God, but I do experience this in my connection to, like, Mitzvot, completely, like, straight up. So that's, like, really
0: interesting. Well, that actually is the key idea in the Tanya is that for most people, that's going to be how it works. Because when they try to have a relationship with Hashem, it goes through their psyche, and their psyche, as much as there's a godly soul inside, it's going to be clothed in the animal soul, and so there's always going to be an element of how this is for me. But, like, mitzvahs, it's, right. it's very, it's, it's, it's much more in your face that mitzvahs are not about for yourself. I mean, you can so make like, them that way.
2: Not,
3: you can
0: make them that way, but it takes a lot of mental gymnastics to do it. So,
2: there are
3: very few mitzvahs that I'm okay with doing that are, like, not somehow serving me like to be very
0: honest about yeah. that. No, but, you, but the thing is, but, but what that what that ends up doing is, and I don't want to get personal here, that then ends up causing a person to compromise on which mitzvahs they do. Yeah. But if you're doing all the mitzvahs, it becomes very in your face that the mitzvahs are not about. Oh, I'll
1: get
0: Fair enough. Mm. It's find me a person who's careful to do all the mitzvahs consistently, no questions. Like it's for sure they're doing all the mitzvahs they're supposed to be doing. And they're using how I benefit from the mitzvahs, the rationalization. for it, that 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 almost never exists.
3: Yeah. So like when we were talking about it in terms of Michelle, I was just kind of like, I don't really. But then I like switch that part of like, oh wait, hold on.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Yes. Someone's had it. Mm,
2: I'm trying to figure it out. Mm. Is it a problem to do that mental gymnastics if you don't do it for everything, like if you can't do it, and you just accept it? So that's obviously you should do that. But like if you can do mental gymnastics, is it a problem?
0: Um it's a very good question. The answer is like this. The answer is like this. Oh. You should never do something that is lying to yourself ever. Ever. Never lie to yourself.
2: So you
0: should not do something
3: that doing will feel So now something that's like or good.
0: So now I could say like this. Oh if you say, really, if you say to yourself, the real value in the mitzvah is that it's holy. And, I, and really, I, that should motivate me. But that's not where I am right now. But the importance of the mitzvah doesn't go away because I'm not there right now. And so therefore, I'm going to use this thing to compensate. And then you have your rationalization? That's fine. Because you're not lying to yourself and you're never going to buy into that. The problem is that... See
2: so if you say, I don't want to do it for the reason that
0: Right, but what ends up happening is if you start all the mental gymnastics, you start actually, that becomes your worldview about the mitzvahs, then you start saying, oh, the real value in the mitzvah, I mean, you make it very simple, a concrete example, right? person will say, I really don't want to keep Shabbos, but if I keep Shabbos, I'm going to get to go to Gan So I'm going to keep Shabbos in order to get to Gan You're lying to yourself, because what are you telling yourself? What's the real importance of keeping Shabbos? Getting yourself to Gan but that's not really the importance of Shabbos. You could, but if a person said, really, Shabbos is important because it's holy. And it doesn't speak to me. And it should speak to me, but it doesn't speak to me. So I'm going to need something else to kind of help me deal with that. Right? I'm going to need a, a, a Band-Aid to deal with this problem. But it's a Band-Aid. It's not it, it, it really. In fact, the reason why I need this ulterior motive is because it, keeping Shabbos is so important for its own sake. I just, that doesn't motivate me. I'm going to need to have an ulterior motive as well. Mm-hmm.
3: You need There's to so to- much information to get to that space, though.
0: Yes. But there's lots of things that we do just
1: because we have to do it. That's fine. But you often
0: that's not lying to yourself. No, you're doing because you do have to do it. It's not lying. You really do have to do it.
2: It's when it becomes one hundred percent the reason you're doing it is because of what right. motivates Like It, it makes this. me feel good. That's the only reason I'm right. doing it. Right.
0: Then it's a problem. There's a the the Gemara tells us that the evil inclination doesn't tell a person to commit idolatry because no one would do that. It says, do this, do this, and do this. In the end, you commit idolatry. And so, Hasidus teaches that what's the first thing that the evil creation tells you to do? To do a mitzvah? Yeah, to do a mitzvah because you like it. And once... Okay. No, do okay, so this. Do mitzvah because you like it. Once you do a mitzvah because you like it, do other things that you like that are not forbidden. And once you're doing things that you like that are not forbidden, you can do things that you like
2: I don't think doing a mitzvah because you liked it, it leads you to doing things that are forbidden because you like it. It's very different.
0: It's not very different.
2: Like you like giving Tedakha, let's say. So you're gonna give Sadaka, so now I'm gonna go and I No no,
0: no but the emphasis here is the because part. There's nothing wrong with liking doing a mitzvah. It's that to to do it. No, it's, it's a mitzvah
1: okay connected to a mitzvah. it's it. not okay to only do it because you're connected to it. Is that what you're
3: saying?
0: Yeah if you're doing a mitzvah because you like it then what you end up doing is mm-hmm. you use whether I like it or not this is, it's not rational, people are not but rational are you
3: able
0: to enjoy a mitzvah? sure, you should, you're required to enjoy mitzvahs Just, you're not
1: supposed
0: to do a mitzvah because you like it mm-hmm. if, you do, if, you, if a person gets into a habit of doing things because they like it then what test do they use to determine whether they should do something? And it turns out that you can like anything, including idolatry. It just takes a while to acclimate yourself. That's how, By the way, the Rambam says that's what the Tree of Knowledge did to people's okay. psyche, is that they started using whether I like it or not as the barometer of whether it's a good thing. Isn't
3: it normal to first do mistakes that you like?
0: Yo, that you it's enjoy? A, no, it's normal to have parents that tell you this is what you have to do and this is what you're ha- not allowed to do. And you get acclimated to living in a certain way, regardless of whether you're in the mood or not. And then you develop the maturity to start coming to some kind of appreciation of the significance of what you're doing. That's the normal way. We live in very abnormal times and live do things in very abnormal ways. When Hashem gave us the Torah, it was nice of a nishma, to do, and then you'll come to appreciate it. In fact, by the way, that's the same thing with almost everything in life. You first have to do it, and you have to do it properly or well, and only then do you actually have the ability to kind of appreciate it and let it, to resonate for what it really is.
1: You can do a
0: mitzvah with the intention of wanting to enjoy doing it, and that's okay. <clears throat> okay. It's not a good Maybe, idea.
1: Like, it's
0: not convenient. Let me put it to you this way. If you don't enjoy mitzvahs, it means you're disconnected and alienated from the mitzvahs, which is bad. No, no, I don't mean, like, not liking them. I mean, like, you're not necessarily like them. If
3: you're not necessarily like them. You're doing them
1: just like them. If you want to. That's, that's
0: good, you should so want to like why it. Why can't you
1: fake it till you make it?
0: Well... Why can't you fake it till you make it? Because it's a slogan that doesn't mean anything? Explain exactly what you mean and then we can talk about it. Do you mean doing something that you don't feel? You can do that. Yeah, Pretending to...
3: to one day feel it. That's
0: fine. But can you f- pretend to feel what you don't feel? No.
3: Wait, why can't I do something even if I don't like
0: it? Because I have to do it and then I'm gonna one day like it. That's fine. I didn't say anything. Oh, that's it. That's, that's no. 100% fine. But doing something because you like it. Yes? Mm-hmm. If you learn because you like it, then when you don't like it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then you like some other things, you do those things, and so, slowly but surely. Yeah. But
3: does that mean to so the start that was already
1: in the mirror?
0: It's not It's not yeah. The yitzharah is never going to come and tell. This is the. This is, the, this is what I was saying. The yitzharah is smart. You don't come to a person who's moderately observant and tell them go do something overtly forbidden. Right? That just doesn't happen that way. It's, you know, change your attitude to what you're doing so that you become more receptive. To become more receptive. To become more receptive. To become receptive till. This so, when you do
1: mitzvah
3: because you love it. It's free
0: if you do a mitzvah because you love it, what's the it? You be specific, because cause, uh, cause it really depends. Mitzvah, yeah, pick know. a mitzvah and pick the it. Okay. What is what is it that you love about the mitzvah? are giving staka. Because you love what? Um, knowing that you have
1: to love.
0: Yes, that's klipah. Okay. Yeah, that's klipah. And what
1: would
0: be the tzedakah? Giving tzedakah because... Giving, uh, but you. Uh, could also enjoy giving to No, I know, okay. but you
3: can't do it because you love it. You could be, you could, you
0: could, you could be giving to because you feel that. Hashem, Hashem, because Hashem, because you feel that Hashem made you his shleich to distribute His money. It's not my money. It's Hashem's money. Why is it in my hand? Because I'm, money. I'm supposed to distribute right. it. You would like
3: to know that, and not feel that. Yeah,
0: but, but that's what she asked in terms of yeah, the level of the feeling. The the tzedakah is gonna the, the is gonna be holy regardless. Right. But your but right. your your attitude. This is what we did in chapter four, right? To right. do him, to truly do it, it means Two. to do it out of love for Hashem. Yeah.
2: about enjoying it at the same time, knowing somewhere in your head that i doing
1: it for Hashem. But
0: then like, you Then then you're then you then you then you are then, then, then you are.
1: Um,
0: how should I put this? you are a normal human being, which is why it's called A normal human being, which is why it's called chabad, That our, to get our intellect free of klipa is not nearly as difficult as getting our hearts free of klipa. In fact, the whole, the whole point in Tanya is that most people can never free their hearts from klipa. You can free
1: your brain.
0: But you can free your brain from klipa. And so the situation you described
1: right,
0: Is where I, I, I know this truth, I believe this truth, I value this truth, but at the end of the day, I definitely get out a kick about feeling like I did a good thing and feeling proud of myself, and if I get some recognition, that's also pretty cool. Well,
3: game is great though, because we're experiencing everything on a people level. That's true. So, how are we supposed to not, like?
0: It's really hard work. But who says that's the, who says that's the main priority? So then what's the main priority? You remind you, 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 you remind me. You remind me of um, my children. Sometimes when we play board games, so like, but how am I supposed to do X? And like, well, I mean, the way the game is set up, is you're not supposed to be able to do X. So you you can't do X, do X, and then you have to figure out a way around that, and then that's what makes the game interesting. So I have to figure a way
3: around the fact that I'm always gonna
0: have cleave on everything I do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the key. That's the key insight of the key. The key insight of the Altarev is how do you live a life centered on holiness if you have a thriving klepa inside of you you're never getting rid of. That's interesting. That's that, that's the whole premise of the Tanya. How to live? How to live a klepa-free okay, so life? Okay. So the point
3: isn't to get rid
2: of klepa.
0: Not entirely, because there's parts of your life you know, you're never get rid of. It mainly in your emotions. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Well, you, can't get rid of the klipa, it's you can get rid of the klipa
0: in a lot of stuff. You can get rid of the in what you do, you can get rid of the in what you say, you can get rid of the in your mind, you can't get getting rid of the klipa in your heart is basically impossible.
2: But if you get rid of the klipa in all those places, the, this world is still 100% klipa because you've gone rid of such a small
0: portion? No, 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 no. no. Chapter, chapter 37 says the opposite is true. When, when a Jew is able to get rid of the klipa in something small, has a viral effect on the world. It affects tremendous amounts <laughs> of the world. So
2: then how come, is it that no one been able to do that successfully? How we claim that 100%
1: of the world is for
0: Because it's talking about the state of the world per se, not talking about, in other words, you know, we always have to ask ourselves when we're talking about something, are we talking about it as it is, or are we talking about it under the influence of something else, right? So we're talking about the world as it is. Now, once a Jew gets involved in, you know, living the life of Torah and mitzvahs, then that changes the things. So for right now, by the way, most of this world is not klippa. But to be fair, most of what you experience is gonna be klippa, because, and I wanna explain to you the difference. This is important, okay? If you're cleaning the house, okay, what you will notice, if you're doing it properly, is it's always messy where you are. Why? Because that's where you're cleaning, right? It doesn't make sense to clean the parts that are clean already. So the parts of reality that have already been cleansed of the klipa are not the parts of the reality that we inhabit. Because then what would be the point? right? So the interface that you and I have with reality is always, we're going to always be in the thick of the klipa. But you have to realize there has been over 3,000 years of Jews getting rid of klipa. So most of it's been done already. But the we're facing right so you have to differentiate between the world as an entity and the world in the part in as much as it, you you're exposed to it you interact with it the part of reality that you interact with is going to be okay, so predominantly clepa like, yeah. because that's what's further there for you to do there's other parts of reality that are clepa free already but no one's living in them right so
3: when we feel like the world's in such a low state it's cuz we're in the
0: clepa right part. right and by the way when you're keeping that cleaning analogy which is, the, which is the hardest part of your house to clean?
2: Kitchen.
0: That drawer? You know that drawer? So you
2: stuff, drawer? When you're
0: cleaning everything else, there's all that yeah. stuff that you're not sure to do, it, so you put it over here in this box and then, get, and then you get to that drawer, and then, then that drawer is like a nightmare, right? Well, that's where we are in the grand scheme of right, yeah, like, totally. So it feels like the has gotten totally out of control. Really, it's one tiny corner of klipa. It's just all the really unmanageable stuff is all in one tiny little corner. Which means we're at the end... But it feels like the most you know over yes. o- you know That's overwhelming true. part.
3: But uh, do we have any examples? Because you said earlier that um, if we are like when you're able to like get rid of Klepa or whatever, then it has profound change on the world. Do we have any examples of that?
0: I will talk about it when we get to chapter seven. Okay. Because chapter seven, chapter seven, you start talking about how Klepa can be changed. And right and the rest of chapter six deals with the three Imperklipas which have no good in them. So Monday, we will resume talking about the three Impraclipas that have no good in them. Mm-hmm. And then when we finish that, we'll move on to chapter seven. Um, and um, yeah. Chapter seven is the really interesting one, because that's where everything becomes very dynamic. Up till now, everything is very rigid, right? It's just, it's this way, it is, and that's that. Yeah. Chapter seven is. It, it puts a lot of responsibility on us because it really says that our attitude and our perspective and our conduct is really going to affect what is the klipa fiducia ratio in reality. And even what, you know, it's really going to be up to us.
2: It does. <laughs> what? So I don't know what that. Well, you know. How does your movie... Thank you. The machine